Hello and welcome to Connect FCS Ed, where we talk about family and consumer science education. This podcast is geared towards recruiting, maintaining, and supporting all FCS educators. I am your host, Barbara Scully, and I am here to help boldly celebrate with you families and careers. Hi, and welcome back to Connect FCS Ed. I am so thankful that you could join me in today's conversation that I have an amazing interview lined up for us. Her name is Catherine Hay, and she is a family consumer science teacher in Canada. So welcome, Catherine. I'm so glad that you could join us today. Well, thank you, Barbara. Thank you so much for having me. I love what you're doing with this podcast. I think it's fantastic. Thank you. So can you just give us your background? I would love to hear your history. Sure, sure. So I'm Canadian. I'm from originally from Ontario. I live in BC now. But when I was coming out of high school, I wanted to be a fashion designer like so many young kids. And so I went to Ryerson in Toronto for fashion design. And now this was back in the 80s. It's now a university, but they do have degree programs in fashion design now. But back then, it was just a diploma program. So I did that and I worked in the fashion industry in Toronto for about 10 years, but I seem to like to change careers every 10 years or so. So after 10 years of that, I went back to university and I got an English degree and a teaching degree and I taught English for about 10 years, but I missed fashion so much. And luckily a job came up in my district that was a full load of textiles. That's what we call that class here, which is sewing and fashion design. So I lucked out and I got that position, even though I only had the diploma in fashion design. And I liked that so much, I did it for 14 years. But I knew that if I ever wanted to change districts, my fashion design diploma might not be enough. So I went back to university again. And this time I went to UBC and I got a master's degree in home economics, which is still the name we use here in Canada. That's kind of our umbrella. And that degree was online, so I could do it while I was still working full time. And then when a fashion position came up at a school that's a 10 minute walk from my house, but in a different district, I was able to switch districts with no questions about my qualifications because of that master's. And now also because of the master's, I now teach one of the courses in the program that I took, which is a special studies in textiles at UBC. Oh, wow. That's so cool. I love that you were able to, you know, you have that industry experience, but then, you know, you had that passion and drive to go back to get your master's degree just as a a fallback. And also, you know, with home economics, that's the umbrella that, you know, family consumer sciences, but also it is on a world basis. That's what it's still called because there's the actual international home economics Council. And I believe this year, this coming year, it's actually going to be in Atlanta. I want to say the first time in America in several years. So that's really exciting. And, you know, seeing that connection between, you know, both, you know, on a world base, but also, you know, on a national platform. That's cool. Maybe I'll be able to see you there. That'd be fun. I would love to go. Oh my gosh. That would be, that would be a treat. But Mm -hmm. I don't know. We'll, Maybe that's a little bit too big for my britches right now. (laughs) So how do you keep up with like the industry changes? Because you were in that field for a career, but then, you know, you're not scaling back, but you're going into the education realm, which 
we're always trying to keep up with, you know, the current trends um, in industry, but we're also not a part of that. Right, right. And and my training, you know, that's going back quite a ways now, right? In addition to having that connection to UBC and keeping contact with them, like, you know, doing their program and then teaching a course in it. And most of our student teachers come out of UBC. So that also builds that connection. But I've also created connections to, we have a wonderful post-secondary fashion school here in BC. It's the Wilson School of Design at Quantum, which is in Richmond, just near here, where most of our students that want to be fashion designers, they go there. And it's a fantastic program. So I've developed a good relationship with the people there. And they are very much on top of changes in the industry. The garment industry here in BC is really strong in the area of technical product or urban athletic wear. Companies like Lululemon and Arcteryx, they began here and are based here. So there's a real emphasis at Kwantlen on that technical product. In fact, Lululemon went to the people at Kwantlen and said, you you need to keep up with this industry. You need to make big changes. Here's a bunch of money and think big. So that's through Kwantlen. That's how I'm trying to keep on top of what's happening in the industry. Oh, that's that's really cool but about Lululemon. I didn't know that it was based out of, you know, it was founded in Canada. That's really neat. I have a lot of friends that, you know, who are, you know, really big into CrossFit and they swear by Lululemon. Yeah, I remember years ago, my husband and I walked into this tiny little boutique. It was like upstairs and there was literally a guy on a sewing machine in this little boutique we bought a couple things, and that was the beginnings of Lululemon. Oh wow! Yeah. Oh, that's that's neat. <laughs> that's a story in itself. So, what would you say the job outlook for you know fashion industry be today? What do you think that What do you think is going on? Well, honestly, do you know what I think is the best job in the fashion industry? I think teaching it is the best job. I, I think, first of all, teaching anything is an amazing job, which I know you are also passionate about. But teaching fashion is the best. I feel I feel so fortunate to be a teacher to have in Canada. It's pretty good pay. We've got great job security. Summer's off. And, you know, sometimes people say to me, oh, you're so lucky to get your summers off. And, you know, teachers are so spoiled. Like, do you ever hear that kind of? People? All the and, time. <laughs> yeah. And I always say, yeah, teaching is a great job. You should be a teacher. And what do you think most people say? They say, oh, I could never do that. I could never work with kids, especially teenagers. I don't know how you could ever do that. Yeah, <laughs> It's so funny to me how adults think that kids are scary when you know, and I know that 99% of them are just sweethearts and it's just a pleasure to be in your classroom every day. They really are. And it's something that I always tell, you know, friends and you know, family going, oh my gosh, you know, being a teacher to high schoolers, it's just like working with preschoolers. They're just, have, they just have larger bodies and a much larger vocabulary. <laughs> yes, that's right. And maybe more attitude, but that doesn't last too long once they get to know you. Right? Exactly. No, I, I love it. Yeah, teaching is a, it's a fantastic job and there are a lot of perks, but if you're able to teach what you love, then it's even more of a privilege. Absolutely, um, But the very, very few of the student teachers coming up right now know how to sew and very few are passionate about it. Even in the home ec program, we get te- student teachers who do nutrition and what we call family studies. And so we have had many student teachers who don't know how to cook or sew. 
So people that do love to sew and love fashion design and are wondering what to do with those skills, I fully encourage you to go into teaching and running a fashion program because we need people with passion. Yeah. Now, being in Canada, I don't know how things operate. We're part of a career technical education. So CTE, is that something that is that a trend and or acronym that is thrown around up in Canada through in the education um, system? We have a different name. It's probably about the same thing. We call it applied skills. Okay. That the other people in our department, other than foods and family studies, we're also in together with business ed and woodworking and even metalworking, like all of these sort of hands-on trades are in our area. Yeah. Applied skills. Okay. So basically it's the same thing because we also have, you know, business and marketing or the acronym BAM. Then you have woods, you have metals. How about even agriculture, you know, and horticulture and yeah, so many, so many other, you know, avenues that I know I'm leaving out just because I can't think off the top of my head. Yeah. So what are, you know, do you have any, so your tips was if you were passionate about fashion industry, then get in touch and start teaching it because you're absolutely right. We do not have enough teachers who teach sewing. Something that, you know, gosh, here in the States, I'm like a, a colleague of mine. She is an amazing seamstress. Oh, nice. But she can't teach sewing because she's not in the family and consumer science. She doesn't have that back educational background. And she never had a business per se in that can support her to be, to get that certificate to be able to teach it. But she's grown up sewing and she's passionate about sewing. She's even offered to teach me, you know, how to do some quilting and some other things. And I'm like, yes, when I have time, when I have time, that elusive time is, <laughs> it's, it's always getting, it's always finding a way to get away from me. I totally get that. But oh, I would love it if she would actually, if she could have the opportunity to teach a sewing class because she okay. would be amazing. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that here, people coming in from the trades, and I don't know if they, I don't know how much they count sewing in as a trade, but if you were like a woodworker or something like that, you can do a one year certification to allow you to teach that. Okay, so may, uh, something a little bit different. So with here in the States, well, I, I shouldn't say for all of the states, but in Washington, at least, we have to have up to 2000 industry hours to verify that we can teach a course. So yeah, I know for for my colleague, she doesn't have that kind of experience. But she has life experience from, you know, her, her mom teaching her as a little girl. And then, you know, as she's progressed throughout, you know, her years. Maybe she'd be a great guest speaker in some of your classes. I know. I was pretty fortunate my first year as a teacher. My, um, I had a, an actual professional seamstress who that was her, her passion and mission in life was to be a guest in the classroom. And, she came every day. She was very religious about it. And she was, at first, she was a little gruff with the students. But then, you know, as you get to know 
you know, your students and everything you, you learn and the relationships were formed and, but she knew her stuff and I was so privileged just to kind of listen and watch as she's, you know, teaching the class and she's teaching me because like you said, there are no student teachers that are being pumped out who know how to sew. (laughs) Yeah. And, or, or cook. So that's something, you know, that I hope, I hope for in the future, you know, maybe universities will have actual sewing classes for, you know, FCS wannabe teachers. Mm -hmm. That's so important. At UBC, there is, there is one as they go through their program, there's one, this wonderful woman, a good friend of mine, teaches teaches the student teachers how to sew, and they go through a couple different projects. So they come up with some knowledge, but it's, boy, if you're going into teaching it and that's the only background you've got, that's a tough road to go. Yeah. You learn as you're going with your students, <laughs> and you're watching a lot of YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where I come into. <laughs> I know. So tell me, or tell all of us, you are doing something pretty innovative and cool when it comes to YouTube. Well, I'm absolutely loving it. So when schools shut down here in March, so I had more time on my hands and and I really missed teaching. I love teaching. So I decided to launch my YouTube channel. You know, when I watch YouTube, I love it and there's so many like young fun people doing these lifestyle channels and i thought you know what i actually have a skill that i can share so i launched Catherine sews and my intention was to do it as a hobby for myself and also that some of the videos might be useful to some of my students and you know there are already a million sewing tutorials on youtube and blogs and instagram and everything but i always found it difficult to find a good tutorial to show my class because the techniques that are on YouTube are not the way that I want my students to do it. Like even something as simple as sewing on a button, I had to make my own video because the way I was trained in the fashion industry is actually different from most home sewers do it. And I couldn't find anyone on YouTube doing that. So I had to make my own video. So the YouTube channel has that practical aspect to it, that it's useful for me in the classroom and hopefully for other FCS teachers as well. But the surprise was how much I love doing it. So it's my latest obsession. I even love the editing, which takes hours, but I love it for some reason. And I guess, you know, learning a new skill adds to your creativity. I always love adding tools to my toolbox. But yeah, it is a ton of work. It takes me hours to make each video. So I really appreciate it when people subscribe and comment because it makes me feel like all my hard work is not just going out into some black hole. I love the feeling of building community and adding to the conversation about sewing and fashion design. And, and hopefully my passion comes through in those YouTube videos. Well, I'm definitely going to be uh, posting your YouTube channel to my website just as another resource because you know, we need so many resources just on a daily basis, just to make it through, you know, thinking about the next, the next thing that we're doing. So that's, that's awesome. So Catherine Sews.com. Right. Thank you. On YouTube, you just search Catherine Sews. And as a fashion teacher, you know, I love when my students go onto YouTube and they find there's some really great creative ideas, people upcycling garments, which I love. 
but the techniques are not there, you know, and these creative young people upcycling things and nothing's properly finished on the inside and the fit is not great. And if I can come in sort of as like the matriarch and give some good techniques, that would be wonderful because the creativity is there and the will, the drive, the interest is there. But our students sometimes when they watch videos, they don't know enough yet to discern what's a good technique and what's not. You know how they judge a video as, as to whether or not the person knows what they're doing? The number one thing they look at is how many views. Really? So, so you can have a million views without showing proper technique, right? Mm-hmm. But our students need a little bit of guidance to know, like, is that garment actually going to last? Is it going to work? Is it going to fit? So teaching those techniques, hopefully that's where I can add to the conversation. Oh, that's brilliant. You know, and those, yeah, definitely those tips of, you know, by the million views, that's, that says something right there. So have you been able to track how many views and subscriptions you've gotten on your YouTube channel? Yeah, I track it and I'm still very, very small. (laughs) So every little subscription makes the world a difference to me. And hopefully if people find it helpful, you know, before I started this, I didn't ever think that subscribing or giving a thumbs up or making a comment really made that much difference. But as a tiny little beginning YouTuber, it makes such a huge difference. So yeah, please do that, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) For the YouTubers that I like watching now, I always thumbs up, comment, thanks for the great video, you're doing wonderful. So it just makes a huge difference. So I really appreciate it when people do that for me. Oh, that's yeah, no, I I absolutely agree. I love it when you know, other individuals, you know, interact with me online, you know, for the podcast or through social media or anything. So I, I under I absolutely understand, you know, that gratification that you're receiving, you know, like, oh, good, it's not just going out into that black hole. <laughs> <laughs> when you're sitting alone in your room, and you're talking to your computer, it feels a bit lonely. But yeah. then when you get a nice comment, it makes it all worthwhile. And you see your subscribers building like that makes me very excited. I know. Well, I'm constantly, you know, looking at my the analytics of, of like, oh, am I going up? How many, how many, how many listeners have I had this week? And yeah, I, well, when I saw yours posted on our um, Facebook group, which I've joined. I started listening and I think I've listened to almost every single one. Oh, great. I just really enjoy it. But sometimes I can relate like sometimes I do get like, especially in your beginning ones, you're like, yeah, I'm sitting alone in my room making this podcast. I'm like, I'm with you, sister. (laughs) Well, in the very beginning, you know, it was right before COVID hit and I was able to do these things, you know, in my classroom after the end of the day. And so mm-hmm. I was able to kind of reflect as I was talking, going, yep, yeah, I'm in my re- my classroom, and it's a big classroom. And <laughs> just, <laughs> I'm all alone. <laughs> yeah, I'm all alone for the first time in eight hours. And so, yeah. <laughs> no. So what are you doing so to help you prepare teaching online this fall? Well, of course, like all the other teachers, I've been thinking about it nonstop. And, but do you know what? It was actually listening to your podcast that highlighted what I think one of the biggest challenges will be. So in your podcast about Senior Fest 2020, mm-hmm. which I love, by the way, 
You mentioned meeting, I think it was the superintendent of your area. Is that yeah, right? she was our, she is our superintendent. Yeah. Yeah. And how moved you were that she knew your name. And I love that part because you didn't take it like in an egocentric way, like, mm-hmm. oh, I must be the hotshot new teacher with a podcast. And that's why she knows who I am. Like you were not like that at all. Instead, you saw that as a strength on her part and you recognized how great that made you feel and how important it is that we make our students feel like that, that we know them, that we know their name and we know what they're all about. And so I, you know, in a high school, I have 200 students a year and sometimes I do have a hard time learning their names. Like halfway through the year, I'm like, Oh my gosh, is that Kate or is that Jane? I you know, I just, and I feel terrible, but that podcast of yours really made me realize that, you know, it's not optional. That is absolutely key. I have to learn their names. So now how do we do that online? So I know through my UBC course, that's online. And you do eventually, as the instructor, you get eventually an idea of the personality that goes with the name. But it takes time. And that's only with 25 students, not 200. So I'm thinking that I will ask my ninth graders, or we call them grade nines, to create a short video or slideshow to introduce themselves. And I might do it with the older kids too, if there's a lot that I don't already know. And I'll make an intro video about myself as well. And I'll do that also for the UBC course because I've never had that in place before. So as I get better at remote teaching with my high school students, hopefully my university students benefit as well. But for the actual curriculum, for my nine to 12s, I revamped the whole program which I thought, oh my gosh, this is going to take forever. And it's just going to be like a sorry excuse for, you know, a replacement for my regular sewing curriculum. But within like two hours, I had a plan that I really thought that this actually looks great. And I'm happy about how it's shaping up and I'm actually excited about it. So, so that's good. So if I can start with like the eighth graders, our high school starts in grade eight. And with the eighth graders, they go through their rotation with all the other applied skills. So we don't have them that long, but we get them to do a little hand-sewn mouse. And I think we can still do that because we can make a little kit for each of them. And then I've already made a video on it so they can use the video for the instructions. So they can still learn all their like hand-sewing techniques. And then for the nine to twelves, Definitely there's going to be more theory than usual and less sewing, but I do want to make sure that they get a good balance of hands-on work with the theory. So I'll be starting with illustration, which that can actually work great online, getting them to use a a fashion croquis, like the fashion figure. But they'll be doing some research about sewing tutorials and how to evaluate them. I did some of this already during remote learning, but I want to expand on it with their They'll learn five hand sewing techniques, and then they'll make their own tutorial for one of them. Oh, that's We'll, we'll that's also play amazing. around with some surface design, like embroidery, bleaching, dyeing, etc. That They can do that at home. They don't need a sewing machine. And then other research things, like we'll explore the elements and principles of design. For the older kids, we'll delve into fashion marketing, branding, logo design, history of fashion, problems in fashion, and the global fashion industry. And I don't, there's there's so much you can do. There is so much theory around fashion. There's so much more to fashion than sewing, really. Mm-hmm. So how long do you have your students for? For the grade eights, they go through that rotation. So we only have them, I think it's 13 classes. But for the nine to 12, so we have them all year, every other day. We're linear. 
So every other day all year. Oh, wow. You're fortunate. I have students, uh, so I don't have a sewing and fashion class right now, but I do have, we're on trimesters. So I have well, about 100 and about roughly about 100 stu- new students every 12 weeks. So, wow. yeah. It's, and then do you have them every day for how long? I, I have them every day for 65 minutes. Wow, that is a lot less. I have mine every other day all year for 70 minutes. Mm-hmm. So I do get a lot more time with my students than you do. Yeah. Our sewing and fashion teacher, she does an amazing job, you know, with her curriculum and, you know, getting her kids to, you know, from the hand sewing all the way to a competition where um, it's for, in our district, it's the goodwill competition. So it's basically students who want to participate. They can in all of the local high schools in our community, and they select one dress that the students have made. And for Shanda's class, she I think she's got six or eight groups of students working on, you know, their their group's dress, and it's made out of paper. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. So then... Everything's made out of paper, sewing it and all of it. And then the class gets to vote out of, you know, the eight dresses that they made, which one is going to go to this Goodwill competition. Oh, wow. And then there's a Goodwill runway fashion competition that, you know, they have a live model wearing the dress walking down the runway. They can actually wear this paper dress. It's yes. not just glued together. Yeah, wow. no, they wear it. Wow. So, yeah, and that's really cool. Do you have anything, you know, like that? or? Um, we have a national thing called Skills Canada, and they do have a fashion and technology component. And I had my students in there for, oh, I guess it was about nine years. And for the older ones, it became kind of a focus and almost an obsession. But I ended up pulling them out and not doing it anymore because honestly, it that competition got to be so cutthroat, <laughs> like it wasn't in the students' best interest anymore. And you know, people were taking it so seriously, like sacrificing the students' needs for their mm. own, and it was it was just not a good experience after a while. Oh. So I don't do that anymore. It's yeah. Sad. Oh, I'm so sorry. That's that's really unfortunate because. The students in in all of the high schools that have participated, they love it. It is it's truly you know student centered and focused in that. Yeah, yeah, it definitely should be like that. And I like I don't know if it's just a BC thing that it kind of has come out of control, cutthroat. <laughs> I mean, hopefully, in the rest of the country, it's a little bit more student friendly. Yes, no, absolutely. Well, hopefully, you know, at some point, maybe it could come back to come back to that friendly, you know, competition. You know, but you also, you know, you touched on something that I think is so meaningful. And that is, you know, remembering student names, you know, just like you mentioned, you know, for my superintendent, when she I've I've seen her around quite a bit. But honestly, I wouldn't ever expect her to remember my name. But just like you said, she was able to, she honestly, she took a picture with 
me and a couple of my colleagues at Senior Fest. And I'm like, oh, could you, can you email it to me? And before I could even, you know, say, you know, what my email address was, she immediately, she had her phone out, she scrolled through her stuff and was able to select me. And I'm like, and then I got it. And I'm like, oh, you know me. (laughs) That's a huge, that's a huge deal out of, you know, gosh, so my high school is the largest comprehensive high school in the state of Washington, where we have roughly 3000 students, and over 200 certificated staff members. And, you know, and then we have another high school, you know, in our district. And it's just like, I was, honestly, I was flabbergasted by by it. And it was, and it was a huge honor. So, you know, for her to remember me at thinking, I need to step up my game, you know, when it comes to remote learning and trying to figure out how I can make an impact virtually with my own students, you know. That's wonderful. Yeah. So it's just, you know, we have to be creative. And I think as FCS teachers, we do, we probably do our best, you know, we're creative, we're innovative, and we're put to the test when, you know, when we're pushed up against a wall going, you know what, I could, I can maneuver this. Yeah, absolutely. And that's kind of what remote learning did for a lot of us, right? You're kind of like, oh, how am I ever supposed to teach fashion or cooking online? And then you're like, well, I guess I'm going to figure it out. Yep. I'm going to learn how to do this. And we do, right? That's what we do. That's what we do. So what are you going to do with students who don't have a sewing machine at home? Well, that's why when I redesign the curriculum, I really have to think about it has to be hand sewing. It has to be that surface design that I mentioned, and then research projects looking into the fashion industry, I really can't do anything that requires a sewing machine because, you know, some do, and and maybe I have to supply, to come up with some ideas what they can do if they want to go beyond the curriculum, but I can't make having a sewing machine part of the curriculum. Exactly. I took an apparel class for my master's degree earlier this year, and the instructor, she mailed us all the all the students in our online class tie dye. So that was, you know, and then we had to in, you know, for color theory. But we so she sent it to us, but then we weren't able to touch it for a little while. It was just one of those things like, okay, in week six, this is when we're going to apply this. And then she also had us go to Joanne Fabrics. Do you mm-hmm. have that? No, but we all love it when we go to the States. We like to go to Joanne's. Yeah. So <laughs> she had us go to Joanne's, but maybe in your case, whatever fabrics, uh, yeah, a fabric store in your community, and actually have to go do a scavenger hunt for the different mm-hmm. textiles. What are some uh, certain uh, cotton? Silk and finding nylon and. And did you take a picture of it? Yep. Yeah, we had to take a picture of it. And then we'd have to interview like one of the store clerks or managers on each of the different fabrics. Okay, why is this considered 100% cotton when, or maybe even the origin of where this fabric came from? Like, mm-hmm. oh, this fabric came from Pakistan. Oh, this fabric came from India, you know, and the different genetic makeups of it. I love that. I love that. One thing for the UBC course, I'm going to be mailing them a little kit to do a burn test. Yes. So I'll be 
Yeah, we'll be mailing them little fabric swatches, unidentified, and then kind of some instructions on what does wool smell like when it's burnt? What does cotton smell like? And, and what does it look like? And what does the ash feel like? And all of those kinds of things. So that'll be, I think, kind of a one cool way. I don't know. I don't think I'll do that with my high school students because I really want to mail them things that they're going to set on fire. But for UBC, I think that'll be great. But I think that I love the idea of actually sending them to the fabric store, fabric land here, or getting them to do that scavenger hunt. That's a great one. Yeah. And that really taught me a lot, just being able to go in and you know, feel the different fabrics and, you know, being weft and warp and <laughs> all, which I still get confused all the time. But yeah, <laughs> I always say that the weft one's white to weft. Yeah, <laughs> that's how I remember. <laughs> and the warp is going up and down. Okay, that's great. I love that. Just different tricks on how to remember things. That's right, a little mnemonic. <laughs> so I guess before we wrap up the show, what is, I like, to, I'm starting to go into like, ask just a, a funny question. What is your favorite, oh, animal? <laughs> um, I have a slightly weird obsession with seahorses. <laughs> Really? <laughs> I absolutely, I am so enchanted with them. To me, they look like, you know, I, we have the Vancouver Aquarium here and you can see the little seahorses. And I think, no, that's not real. That's out of a little storybook. That's a fairy tale. How could there be a seahorse? <laughs> and how could it look like that? <laughs> that's not real. So, yeah, and I, I just adore seahorses because somehow they manage to be a fairy tale and real at the same time. <laughs> I love it. Oh, that's that in a, you're absolutely right. It is true because they are, they look mythical. They really they do. do. Exactly. You can almost picture a little tiny rider on their back. Like yeah. the ocean I love that. <laughs> oh, I love it. And oh my gosh, thank you so much for joining today's conversation. I took in a lot of new information and I hope that, you know, you're able to, your YouTube channel is just going to explode oh, <laughs> with <Barbara>. new subscribers. <laughs> thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me on today. And I just wish you the best of luck with everything you're doing. It's just great to see. Yeah. Well, thank you. And we'll be talking to you soon. All right. Wonderful. You take care. Bye. Thank you for joining me today at Connect FCS Ed. In this podcast, we boldly celebrate families and careers by providing inspiration, support, and resources for teachers, students, and families. If you could do me a quick favor, please leave me a five-star review on iTunes. My mission is to get this out in front of as many people as possible to help educate and inform the community that home economics is alive and well. Each week, I will choose one special person to win some Connect FCS Ed swag. So be sure to add your name to the review and I will reach out to you if you're the winner. Thanks again for spending your time with me today. And be sure to visit me at fcspodcast.com for past episodes and more gifts to help spread the word that family and consumer science is today's home economics.